Bibles once again to Romans chapter 12, verse 11. As we continue our subject on managing your family. Managing your family. Amen, amen. Have you been getting anything out of this series? Glory to God. Once again, as we've been stating, this is a practical teaching. Amen. Once again, we've been stating there's nothing that really makes you shout, but it puts you in a position to shout. Amen. We want to go into year 2016 shout. Amen. Anybody going to, going to go in the shout? Hallelujah. Once again, we know when God put the first family together, he also put together the first business. The Bible said they became one flesh. Amen. Here in Romans 12, 11, once again, it tells us not slothful in what? Not slothful in what? Business. Business. The word slothful means slow. It means lazy. But fervent in spirit, serving who? Serving the Lord. And we stated this last week. You can't serve the Lord properly if you don't have your business together. We said again. You cannot serve the Lord properly if you don't have your business together. Let's go over some things we went over so far. We, went, we found out in the book of Ecclesiastes that dreams come by handling business. We talked about how you need to learn this before you get married. Singles. Singles. Amen. Have any singles in the house? Amen. Amen. We looked in Deuteronomy chapter 24 and it showed how handling business causes a couple to get up on the right foot. We talked about following God's method, God's method of doing business because why? God is the ultimate businessman. Amen. We talked about couples have to work together. Families have to work together towards a shared goal. Amen. And they must learn to share methods together and communicate. Somebody say what? Communicate. The word told us to write division and make it what? Plain. So we need to do what? We need to write down what we're doing. We found out there are laws of poverty as well as laws of prosperity. We looked at the ant. We looked at the conies. We looked at the spiders. We found out discipline is required. Discipline is what? Required. And learning how to restrain our spending even during this Christmas time. Amen. Now, I'm not saying don't get your kids nothing. That's wrong, too. Because parents do that. And because they're not, they're not practicing business principles in their home, they have nothing to buy their children. And that's wrong. Because if you had to save up a dollar a day throughout the entire year, you have something to buy your child. The child should not go on Christmas without you buying them something. Y'all think I'm quitting? There's parents that don't buy their children anything. But they go around with fresh hairdos. Brand new clothes, shoes, all year long. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. But come Christmas time, I ain't got no money. Should have saved $5 off that hair that you had this, this, during the whole year. Most people don't do their own hair, you know. And hairdressers cost some money. Anybody know that? Okay, amen. All right, that was free. <laughs> Learn how to restrain our spending. <laughs> Come on, you got to say things like that because why? Every Christmas we always had a child that don't get nothing. Then we talked about leaving an inheritance for your children's children so that the next generation can start off prosperous. We talked about why you should you, 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 why why we talked about why you should co-sign for somebody and they come and take your house, come and take your car, because the Bible told you not to co-sign and you co-sign anyway because you love them and you just disobeyed God. Who you love the most? Them or God? If God's telling you not to do it, does God know what He's talking about? But still, parents go and do it anyway. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Then last week we went into detail why you should get out of debt and stop paying all that interest. Amen. 
And then we also talked about God hates divorce. God hates what? Divorce. divorce. Just one of the reasons he hates divorce is because why? Divorce will cost you a lot of money. Why? Because divorce operates under the law of poverty. Divorce will take all your money, amen. It does a whole lot of other things, but guess what? We're talking about finances right now. Divorce takes your money and destroys both parties. Somebody say both parties. It takes the inheritance of children and the inheritance of the grandchildren. Why? Because divorce is a killer, folks. That's why you want to get it right when you do get married. Singles. I got any singles in the house. You want to get it right when you do get married. Amen. Glory to God. Go to 1 Timothy 6.10. Don't be going off just looks. You'll find those looks wear off a little by little <laughs> as time goes on. <laughs> oh, she was fine, but guess what? Now that I got all these bills to pay, she ain't that fine no more. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, he's six feet five, oh, strong, look like a man's man. And didn't even know how to pay a house note. But now he ain't fine no more because he's broke. And he's spending all the money on something crazy and stupid. That fineness wears off real quick when you ain't got no money. Okay, amen. First Timothy 6.10. <laughs> See, I'm drawing off y'all's anointings. <laughs> First Timothy 6.10. Once again, it says, For the love of money is the what? Root of all evil. Which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with what? Many sorrows. Once again, we talked about this. You can commit this sin and not have a dime. So don't let it define you. Come on, say amen, somebody. And here it says, For the love of money is root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have what? Erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with what? Many sorrows. It didn't say money was evil. It said the love of money is evil. That means you can commit this sin without a dime in your pocket. Amen? He says, while yet, while, Which while some coveted after, they have what? erred from the faith, meaning they have moved away and crossed their faith. And because of them, it says, and they pierced themselves through with what? Many sorrows. And that word pierced, we know, means to be to run entirely through. The love of money can cause you to trust your, cause you to, to thrust your own self and cause you so much grief, folks. It'll cause you what? So much grief. Tell your neighbor, you don't want any grief. Tell another neighbor, you don't want any grief. So that's, what he's, that's why he's talking about the love of money. Now, the love of money is the root of sin. Let me say it again. The love of money is the root of sin. But when you think about money, once again, you have to understand what money is. Money is a what? A medium of what? Exchange. Money in and of itself is nothing but a what? Green sheet of paper. Come on, say amen, somebody. So once again, we said think about money in terms according to the Bible. Think in terms of lifestyle. Somebody say lifestyle. When you think about money, you think about what money does. What money what? Does. Another word we said might help us is the word comfort. Amen? Money in your mind is for the purpose of bringing you to a, to a certain level of comfort. Okay, give me all y'all's money and see how comfortable you are. Let me say it again. Money in your mind is for the purpose of what? Bringing you to a certain comfort level. When you think about money, you don't think about the, the, the green pieces of paper. Come on, say amen, somebody. You think about what these green pieces of paper can do for you. And what it can't do for you if you don't have it. 
what happens? Those green, those green pieces of paper can possibly put you in a position where you are much more comfortable. Much more what? Comfortable. Anybody would like to be much more comfortable right now? Amen. First John 2.15 again. Turn there. First John chapter 2, verse 15. So think about what money can do for you when you're thinking about money. Because once again, it's nothing but a green sheet of paper. What places the value of it is what you can do with that money when you have it in your hand. Amen? And how much defenseless you feel when you don't have it in your hand. Come on, say amen, somebody. Hallelujah. When you're going somewhere and you ain't got a dime in your pocket, you see everybody else going around with something to eat. Amen. 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 You, now, just think about it. You know, you can't even get to the ATM. Amen. And all this food just swirling around your head and, you know, and you ain't got a dime in your pocket. And they got you out here in the middle of all this food fair. And you can't buy nothing. Are you comfortable then? You're not comfortable, are you? Now, somebody came over and said, here's $50. Are you comfortable then? <laughs> Why? Because now that money can bring you to another, a certain comfort level because you can get some food in your. First John 2.15. <laughs> it says, love not the what? The world. We know the word, word, the word, word here, world. The word, world, <laughs> is the Greek word cosmo, and it means world system. Once again, we live in a system, amen? In this system, there's a way of thinking. There's a way of doing. There's a way of feeling. There's society that comes around it. Come on, say amen, somebody. He says, love not the world system, neither the things that are in the world system. If any man love the world System, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in, for all that is in the world system, then he talks about the what? The lust of the what? Flesh. And once again, the lust of the flesh is not just talking about sex. It also means buying stuff on a whim. Come on. Gratifying your body with stuff you don't need. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. Why? Because lust of the flesh got involved. But what else was involved in this? It says the lust of the what? The lust of the what? Eyes. In other words, looking at bling bling. And that bling bling causes you to move into action to buy it. Amen? Tell your neighbor, that's not the right thing for you to do. Then it says in the what? Pride of life. The pride of life is keeping up with the Joneses. Come on, you got to be in a certain economic class. I do things so that I can fit in. I got to buy things and spend things so that I am accepted. Come on, say amen, somebody. That is the pride of life. Then it says, it's not of what? It's not of what? It's not of the Father, but it's of the what? World system. And then verse 17 says, and the world system what? Passes away and the lust thereof, but he that what? Do of the will of the Father does what? Abide it forever. So people are thinking good of you, and you're doing something just for your flesh's sake. All of that is going to end. It's not going to last, but guess what? God's will and God's way will always work forever. Somebody say it'll work forever. So he's telling you once again to watch out for these things. Tell your neighbor, watch out. Not handling your money wisely can put you behind and allow Satan to put pressure on you. If 1 John 2 is a problem for you, come on. If lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life has something to do with running your life, then for you not to be where you want to be financially, then money can be used by the enemy as a source of pressure I'm talking about a source of heavy pressure, especially during the holidays. Come on, say amen, somebody. And because of this pressure, people get into sin. 
they get into what? Sin. It is the root cause of sin, the love of money. You read what I just said? It's the root cause of sin. Go to Psalms 100, look at verse 3. Let's look at one major sin we see in this country that is a direct result of this. One sin that we see in this country, one major sin we see in this country that's, that is a direct result of what we're talking about, the love of money. Amen? Psalms 103 says what? 100, verse 3. Psalms 100, verse 3, because Denise went to 103. <laughs> it says, Know ye that the Lord, he is what? God. It is he that is what? Made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Notice, God is the one that made you. God is the one who made every single solitary human being. Who made them? God. God made us. We did not make ourselves. Amen. Say it again. God made us. We did not make ourselves. Why am I pointing this out? Well, I'm going to tell you in a minute. Go to Psalms 119. Look at verse 73. God made us. We did not make ourselves. Psalms 119. Look at verse 73. Come on, we're talking about the love of money is the root. The love of money is the what? Root. The pressure of it is the root of all evil. Let me say it again. The pressure of it is the root of what? All evil. It not being handled wisely with the wrong attitudes about it can drive you into major sin. Let me say it again. It not being handled wisely and with the wrong attitude about it, come on, say amen, somebody, can drive you into a major sin. Psalms 119, verse 73 says, Thy hands have made me, and what? Fashion me. Give me understanding that I may what? Learn thy commandment. Again, it says, it's the hand of God who what? Who made you. It's the hand of God who what? Who fashioned you. Well, listen to me now. If God's the one who makes human beings and God's the one who fashions human beings, then to abort human beings is not of God. Amen. Oh, I should have got a bigger amen to that. Let me say it again. If God's the one who makes human beings and God's the one who fashions human beings, then to abort human beings is not of God. And the question has to be asked, turn to Psalms 139, verse 14. The question has to be asked, why are they doing it? Psalms 139, verse 14. He says, I will what? Praise thee. For I am what? Fearfully and wonderfully made Marvelous are thy works, that my soul knoweth what? Right well. It says, God fearfully and wonderfully what? Made us, but yet, since 1973, there have been nearly 20 million abortions in America. Matter of fact, in California and other states, they don't even have to record them, so we don't even know what that number could be. Come on, say amen, somebody. Now, what have we found out from statistics? This is what we found out. That over 93% of all abortions in America has nothing to do with the health of the mother or the life of the mother. Hear what I just said. 93% of all abortions in America has nothing to do with the health of the mother or the life of the mother. Over 93%, there is no threat to anyone. Then, do, then why do people have abortions? Because of the love of money. They do that because of what? Because of the concern that the child, may, will, the child will disrupt 
their comfort level. I'm preaching good whether you like it or not. They do that because why? Because of the concern that the child would disrupt their comfort level. The child would disrupt their financial standing. Come on, say amen, somebody. And maybe it will disrupt their social standing if someone finds out that they're pregnant. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. Maybe all three. It is the root cause. Listen, it is the root cause for taking the life of something that God has made, the love of money. There's a reason for them doing it. And that's what the scripture says. Turn to Isaiah 44.2. Are y'all listening to me out here? That's the reason for doing it, folks. It's the love of money. They're concerned that that child would disrupt their comfort level, their financial standing, and maybe their social standing as someone finds out that they're pregnant. And that's even amongst church folks mainly. Amen. Oh, I'm preaching good. Because a mother, a saved mother, will have their child go get an abortion because she don't want the shame of everybody in the church knowing that her child got pregnant. And we'll come in the room, looking up holy, hallelujah, glory to God. Preaching good in here. Isaiah 42, 42, 44, verse 2. It says, thus saith the Lord that made thee. And what? For, listen to this. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the what? From the what? From the womb. Not after you popped out. When does God say life begins? When he put that sperm and egg together. When that sperm and egg came together, God put life there. You hear what I just said? It may be a small life, but it's life. Let me say it again. It may be a small life, but it's what? But it's life. Matter of fact, keep a marker there. Now go to Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. It may be a small life, but it's still life. Are you listening to me out here? But what does society say? Society says it's not life. Even though they'll look on a radar, they'll look on a sonogram, and they'll see the form of a baby. But yet they'll say it's not a baby yet. It's not human yet. So let's abort it now. Oh, come on now. Zechariah 4.10 says, do not, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord requires to see the work begin. Do not despise that little baby in that womb. Come on, say amen, somebody. Listen, you were a small beginning at one time. You are a survivor. Let me say it again. You are a survivor. Your mama allowed you to live. I'm a survivor. But in today's times... They would have just rubbed me out without even blinking about it. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Go to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Why is he preaching this? Because Christians are doing it. Christians are killing babies. Because of the love of money. Because it destroys their comfort level. Jeremiah 1 5. Notice what he says here. Before I what? Before I what? Formed thee in the belly, I what? I knew thee. And before thou came forth out of the womb, I what? I sanctify thee. And I, listen to this now, I ordained thee a prophet unto the nation. When did he do all this? Before what? See, before you were born, God has a call for every child ever conceived. 
every child. So why do people have abortions? For the love of money. What do you mean? Well, they didn't follow God's rules of managing the family business. If you had lots of savings, that pressure wouldn't be on you anymore. It would be off of you. Come on, say amen, somebody. If you had managed yourself properly in terms of a financial standpoint, Satan wouldn't be able to apply that kind of pressure on you to get you to take the life of your own child. God's word is right. Let me say it. God's word is right. And you can see why this series is so important, folks. Because why? Because not managing yourself as a business causes pressure on you from Satan to cause you to do things you would normally not do. And you'll find yourself justifying it. And yet you know it's a sin. Listen, folks, in most congregations, one-third of the women have had an abortion. So what should we say to you? Turn to Isaiah 43.25. Statistics. One-third of women in the church have had an abortion. So what should we say to you? Turn to Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. And listen... This is not just a woman issue. Because in a large measure, the men that father the child are the ones that were pushing her to have it. And disclaiming that it's mine. <laughs> oh, come on, say amen, somebody. So they are still accessories. They're what? Accessories. Isaiah 43, 25. Notice he says, I, even I what? Am he that what? Blot up out thy what? Transgressions for my own sake, and will not remember thy what? Sin. Somebody said, thank you, Jesus. He says, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest what? Maybe justified. We already, know, we already know 1 John 1, 9 says, if I confess or acknowledge my sin, he is what? Faithful and just to what? To forgive us of our sin and do what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God says here, put me in remembrance of that. Put me what? In remembrance of that. God says, I'm the one that blotted out your transgression for his sake. He didn't say, I blot out the transgressions for your sake. He said, I blot out the transgressions for his own sake. What do you mean for his own sake? Well, think about it. How many of you would like to be reminded every day about all the wrong things your child has done? How would you like that to be in your face every single day? Every single day, somebody telling you what your child done. Well, God doesn't want it either, folks. Tell your neighbor, God doesn't want it either. He said, for my own sake, for my own sake, I'm going to forgive you. So having an abortion is not an unpardonable sin. Somebody better say thank you in here. He said, come, let us what? Plead together. He said, let us what? Reason together. See, with God, if you acknowledge that it was sin and you ask God to forgive you of it, he cleanses you of it, and then he forgives you of it. Come on, say amen, somebody. He doesn't carry a remembrance of it anymore, and he says, now you remind me that you're clean, you remind me that you're holy, and you remind me that I got you now. And now what? You can go before God boldly to the throne of grace as though he never has, as though you have never sinned. But then he says, don't do it again. Yeah. 
Money is the root of it, folks. Once again, when you think about money, you think about comfort, lifestyle, standing. All of that is the root of it. All of that is what? Turn to Ephesians 6.4. Now here it carries, the same, it carries this theme more about the place children, budgets, and money and life takes place takes in, your, in your family business. Here's the theme about more about the place of children, budgets, and money and life. Here it says in Ephesians 6, 4, and you what? And you what? Fathers. Provoke not your children to what? To rap, but bring them up what? And the nurture, which means tutelage and education, and admonitions, which means warnings of the Lord. Note it, note it says fathers. Note it says fathers. Do I have any fathers in this room? I got a couple. Do I have any more fathers in this room? Amen. Our society got it backwards, folks. Our society believes that women are supposed to bring up the children. And that's the way most men have been raised. Come on, say amen, somebody. Well, we know she got a role to play. Come on, amen, because everyone needs a mama and a daddy. But it's the father's job to instruct. It's the father's job to teach. It's the father's job to warn. I didn't get no amens out there. It's the father's job to instruct. It's the father's job to teach. It's the father's job to warn. Children without a daddy in their life are missing something. And if you father the child, you should father the child. You should father the child. You should father the child. Not just cut the check. Now, you should cut the check. But you should father the child. Oh, come on. You're getting kind of quiet on me. And listen to me, ladies, because I've ran into this too many times in this situation, people, women in this situation, since I've been here. What do they do? I don't want to take any money from him because I don't want anything to do with him. I don't want his money. I don't want nothing. I can do it all by myself. I don't need him. Listen to me. His money ain't for you. We're not talking about your money. We're talking about the child's money. So listen to me. Take the money. Do you hear what I just said? Anything else is pride. Take the money. Tell your neighbor, take the money. If he ain't giving you any money on a consistent monthly basis, go to court and take the money. Take it. If he won't give it, take it. Are y'all listening to me? Take it and put the money in the bank for the child. Come on. You don't have to have anything to do with him. Just take the money. Any, listen, anyway, listen, that money... It's not supposed to be for you anyway. Oh, hallelujah. If you're taking that child support and you're buying yourself clothes, buying yourself jewelry, buying your, paying your car note with that child support, you are stealing. You're stealing from your own child. That money belongs to the baby. 
You put it into an account for the baby's future. But take the money. But fathers, fathers, you bring them up in the instruction, the tutelage, and warnings of God. Unfortunately, many people see children as a curse and not a blessing for financial reasons. Why? They've heard that for every child born in America, it costs an excess of $180,000 per child from zero to 17. Y'all just ain't calculated. <laughs> you ain't calculated how much money you done dished out for your child. Come on, say amen, somebody. That's what it costs to raise a child in America, and that's true, but guess what? They are worth every dime. I'm saying it again. They are worth every dime. Turn to Psalms 127. Come on, we're talking about why managing the family budget is so important. See, the Lord already showed us certain things and how vital it is and that we need to do it urgently. Somebody say urgently. Psalms 127, verse 3. It says what? Lo, children are what? Children are what? Are an inheritance of who? Of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. Whose reward? Both yours and God's. Children are God's reward to you because why? Children are a blessing. Let me say it again. Children are a blessing. Verse 5 reads... Happy is the man that has a quiver full of them and he's married. Because they'll get this twisted up. <laughs> he's talking about a married man here. He's not talking you having babies all over the place. So once again, it says, <laughs> happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. In other words, they will be a buffer between you and the enemy. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. See, the children can be an aid, and it can be a support in your life, as you get further on in life, they will be the ones that will keep you out of poverty. Amen. Children are a blessing and not a curse. Come on, promise and Brittany are a blessing. They're a joy to us. Come on, say amen, somebody. Why? Because kids are fun. Come on, kids are fun. They add to your life in so many ways. And sometimes it's a shame, but you have a lot of parents, fathers and mothers, they miss out on just having fun with their children. Because they've gotten too busy. Come on, say amen, somebody. Because they don't have these affairs in order. They're out there trying to make money and forgot their children. I got I to gotta, I gotta pay the bills. And you lose your children? What's the purpose of you going out there to make money? <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. Then children are put in position for another blessing. Go to Proverbs 17, 6. Children enrich your existence. They are a reward from God. So it's about time we get our attitude straight about having children. But they put you in a position for another blessing. Proverbs 17, 6, it says what? Children's children, I'm talking about grandchildren. I know we have some newly grandmamas in here. 
<laughs> Grandchildren are what? Crown of old men and the glory of children are their what? Fathers. Grandchildren are a blessing. Do I have to go there? <laughs> Grandchildren are a blessing if the parents let the, pa let, the, let the parents of the child raise their child. <laughs> See, back in the days of old, your parents knew what they were talking about when they said, you make that baby, you're going to take care of that baby. And you took care of that baby. But now, grandparents are so quick. They won't even let the mother have the responsibility of the child because they want to be the child. That's my child. That's my baby. It's not your baby. You did not lay up there in that labor room he didn't lay with that man to get the baby. So let that parent have the responsibility that they made. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Say, I love Pastor Walker. Amen. Hallelujah. And see, because of failure, because listen to this now, we're talking about this because why? If we would have raised our children to what we've been teaching, your children would have no problem raising their own children. Oh, I'm preaching. You hear me? If we would have raised our children what we've been teaching, our children would have no problem raising their own children. They could go hire a babysitter. Or hire you just to babysit. But they ain't paying you a dime. <laughs> they got free service. <laughs> okay, amen. <laughs> so because of failure to follow the principle we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, children can become a curse to you when they should be a blessing. But listen to your fathers also and mothers. Also, if you're going to raise them in a nurture and admonition of the Lord, that would include their schooling. That would include their schooling. Their what? Once again, we talked about this before. A school has more time of your child than you will have time with them. I'm talking about prime time. Prime time of your child's existence. They have more time of your child than you will ever have. They have 30 hours a week, and you don't spend close to that much prime time with your child. Now, they may be in the house where you're at, because they're in one room and you're in the other. But you don't spend 30 hours of time with them. Come on, say amen, somebody. So if you're going to raise that child in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, you need to put them in a Christian school. Got quiet as church again. Because why? Because for 30 hours a week, they're indoctrinated in the ways of the world. But if you don't follow the principles of God's teaching, you won't have the money to do it. The reason you don't have your most people, most parents don't have the money in Christian school, because they can't afford it preaching good in there because they haven't followed family business principles according to the word of God. If they had the money, that child would be in that Christian school. Am I right or wrong? Listen, from the time you have a child, you're supposed to be putting aside money so they can turn out to be blessed and a blessing. 
Oh, come on. That's why you have to make a decision to not allow the lust of the flesh to determine what will happen with your children. Because the children are far more a blessing than that car you want to buy. Than that house you want to buy. Or the clothes or whatever you spend or wherever you spend your money. Come on, say amen, somebody. They are far more of a blessing. Are you with me out there? Turn to 2 Chronicles 31.5. Since y'all shouting today. Let's <laughs> just calm them down. Calm them down. But it's true anyway. Sometimes the truth hurts. Christian school. <laughs> if you had the money, your child would be in a Christian school. But why don't we have the money? Because we haven't followed good business principles in our home. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Because you can't tell me not one of you would not put your child in a Christian school if you had the money. Am I telling the truth? Second Chronicles 31.5. What's the Lord talking about? The Lord is talking about priorities. He's talking about what? Priorities. Love of money is the is is the issue of is is the issue of priority, folks. Bad priority with money is what has put us in trouble. Bad priority with money is what has put us in trouble. Let me tell you again. It's not how much you make. It's what you do with what you have. But listen to this. Most people spend 105% of what they make every year. Let me see. Let me say it again. Most people spend 105% of what they make every year, but, it's, but 100% is all. That's what I'm talking about. We know it's 100%, but they spend 105%. The average person in here spends 105% every year of your life. And somewhere down the line, the piper will be paid. Financial debt, financial debt has with it an assortment of pressure. Listen to me now. Financial debt has with it an assortment of pressure that puts you in a position to make you sick, to kill your relationships, to cause you to make bad decisions, to cause you to worship yourself and dig a hole deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And the worst part of it, you can get so deep that the Spirit of God can have this for you to do over here. But because you're in this, this, in this situation, you will not hear and you will not obey God himself on this subject. Sing Chronicles 31.5. Y'all already said y'all love me. Don't believe it. No, give me them looks. <laughs> <laughs> God told Jeremiah, just look at the wall. Find a spot on the wall. Just preach to the wall. <laughs> Don't look at their faces. Just preach to the wall. Second <laughs> Chronicles 31.5. Oh, they're really going to like this one. It says, and as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance the what? First fruits of what? Corn, wine, oil, and honey. And all the what? And all the increase of the field. And the what? The tide of all things brought they in what? Abundantly. Now, I only bring this out because why? There are a bunch of people confused about, confused, confused people walking, walking around about this subject right here. And I was one of them at one time. I admit See, according to the scripture, the first fruit and the tithe are the same thing. 
first fruit and a tithe are the same thing. It says the children of Israel brought in abundance to what? First fruit of what? Of corn, wine, oil, and honey, and all of the what? Increase of the field, and the what? Of how many things? Of what? All things brought they what? In what? Abundantly. First fruit and tithe are used interchangeably. The term first fruit and the tithe. Well, what is a tithe? A tithe is a 10% of the, of the first. A 10% of what? Of the first. Well, what is first fruit? The first. Do I need to get any deeper? <laughs> Let me say it again. What is the tithe? 10% of the first. What is the first fruit? It's the what? First. So first fruit and tithe are the what? The first. They're the same thing. Go to Hebrews 7.1. The reason I bring this subject up of first fruit is because this area has a lot to do with the family business. Oh, Lord. It has a lot to do with the what? Family business. Hebrews 7.1. Are you there yet? It says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, Salem is Jerusalem, and the word king actually means he is civil authority. He's what? Civil authority. It says, priest of the most high God, so he is also spiritual authority. So he's what? He's civil authority, and he's what? Spiritual authority. Who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, and we know what that is. Amen. And he did what? And he blessed him. Notice what Melchizedek did. It says, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, and he did what? He blessed who? He blessed Abraham. He pronounced the blessing on who? On Abraham. Come on. He is what? Melchizedek, he is what? He's spiritual authority, and he is what? Civil authority. In his role as spiritual authority, he hears from God, and he pronounces the blessing over Father Abraham. Do you hear what I just said? Once again, as his role as spiritual authority, he hears from God, and he pronounces the blessing over who? Father Abraham. And the Bible says Abraham was blessed in all things. He's blessed what? In all things until the day he died. The priest of the Most High God pronounced the blessing. And listen, everything from the dawn of time since creation of man, God has handled through the pronouncement of the blessing. Thank God for the blessing. Thank God for the blessing. The word blessed is not just some religious word, folks. Are you listening to me out here? People in the Old Testament, listen, people in the Old Testament, they understood the importance of the blessing. They understood it. Come on, they understood it. That's why Jacob tried to steal the blessing. Why? Because he understood it. If my daddy stands over me, and pronounces the blessing over me, then the anointing of the Holy Ghost will come upon my life and it will prosper me. They understood that, folks. The end result he knew is my life will be blessed. And then when Isaac pronounced that blessing over Jacob's life, Jacob too was blessed in all things. How many things? Somebody say, thank God for the blessing. Look at verse 2. To whom also Abram did what? Gave a tenth part of what? All or the first fruit of all. First being interpretation, king of what? Righteousness. And after that also what? King of Salem, which is what? King of peace. Go down to verse 4. Now consider how great this man was. Unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave what? Gave what? Temp of what? Of the spoils, verse 6, 
But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and bless him that what? Bless him that what? Had the promises. Well, the one that had the promises was who? Abraham. Well, keep a marker here and go to Hebrews 6, 12. Let's look at it. But keep a marker there. It says, but he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham, bless him that had the promises. Who had the promises? Here in Hebrews 6, 12, it says, but when God made who? Hebrews 6, 12, 6, 13, rather. When God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself, says, surely, surely, blessing I will what? Bless thee. Multiplying I will what? Multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he what? He obtained the promise. And guess what? Abraham believed in that blessing. Let me say it again. Abraham what? Believed in the what? Blessing. Now go back to Hebrews 7, 7. So in verse 6 it read, But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham. He received tithes of who? Abraham. And blessed him that had the what? Promises. Who had the promises? Abraham. Verse 7. And without contradicting, contra contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. Well, the better was the priest of the Most High God. Blessing the less who was who? Abraham. The less was blessed of the better. Blessed with what? The blessing. Blessed with what? The anointing. Somebody say the anointing. The pronouncement of the word of God over his life. And guess what? Abraham believed that pronouncement. He what? He what? He believed it, and guess what? He believed when that, that blessing was pronounced over his life, he believed that pronouncement would, would manifest in his life. He believed it. Tell your neighbor, he believed it. Why? Because this is the priest of the most high God. He knows he's getting it from God himself. Verse 8. It says, and here men that die receive what? Receive what? Is this, is this testament? What testament is this? This New Testament? Are you sure? This is not Old Testament. This is what? So that means this is not under the law, right? That means this is after the law, right? Okay, just checking. I said, here men that die receive what? Tithes. But there he receiveth them, of whom it is witness that he what? That he what? Who is it? that we are still witnessing before other people that he is not dead, but he is alive. Jesus. Who? Jesus. Jesus is the recipient of the tithe. Let me say it again. Jesus is the what? Recipient of the what? Of the tithe. Look at verse 9. And as I may say so, May so say, Levi also who what? Who received tithes, paid tithes in Abraham. Verse 14. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of what? Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident, for after the what? Similitude of Melchizedek, there arises another what? Another priest. Listen, there is Melchizedek, but he's saying here, then there's going to arise another priest after his kind, after his order. What did Melchizedek do? Melchizedek received tithes of all, and then he dispensed the blessing. He did what? He received tithes of all. Then he what? Dispensed the blessing. There is another priest who was made after the similitude of Mezekiel who receives the tithe and then he pronounces the blessing. Come on, are you with me out there? Verse 16. Who was made not after the law of carnal commandment but after the power 
of an endless life. Whoever this priest is has eternal life. This priest never dies. So that's what it is. Look at verse 17. For he testifieth that a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And that's what Psalm, he's just quoting Psalms 110.4, where it says, The Lord has sworn will not repent, that are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. This, listen, this was God the Father saying this about Jesus Christ, folks. He's saying, you are made priest, high priest, after the order of Melchizedek. He's saying, Jesus Christ, you received the tithe. He said, Jesus, you dispensed the blessing." You pronounce the blessing and the people will be blessed all the days of their life if they believe in what I have said. But most people don't believe it. Jesus is the high priest today. Jesus is the high priest today. Well, guess what? Jesus is the high priest today. Jesus is high, guess what? When people steal the tide... They steal from Jesus himself. Oh, shit. I know y'all didn't want to hear that. They steal from Jesus. And because they steal from Jesus, they cut off the blessing. So you can steal all you want to. <laughs> oh, my, my, my. Because why? He is the dispenser of the blessing. If you're stealing from him, he's not pronouncing no blessing upon you. Why would I pronounce a blessing upon you and you're stealing from me? Oh. Y'all still love me, right? Malachi 3.8. <laughs> This is just as part of the family business anything else. Even more so. The people want to be blessed. How does Jesus bless? Melchizedek did what? He received the tithe and he pronounced the blessing. If, I have, if he receives nothing, what am I going to pronounce? But is it because I don't believe in the blessing? Evidently, I don't because of I don't tithe. Because if I really believe what that blessing can do for me, tithing would never be an issue. Never be an issue. Because why? My mindset is I'm going to be blessed. All the days of my life, my children are going to be blessed. My grandchildren are going to be blessed. Because why? I believe in the blessing. Malachi 3.8. What's it say here? Well, I what? Man robbed God. Yet you have what? Robbed me. But you said, where did every, how we robbed you, God? And what? And what? We know the tithe is already set at 10%. But the offering was up to you. But the tithe belonged to the high priest. What's he going on to say about that? Verse 9. You're what? You're a curse of a curse, for you're what? Rob me, even this whole nation. Verse 10 says what? Bring you some of the tithe. All the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be what? Meat in my house. And then God says, test me. Prove me now if I won't bless you. Prove me now, said the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive. The question is, do you believe in the blessing? I'm saying all this because why? What people do, 
when they recognize they're in trouble or even if they're trying to clean themselves up, what do they do? The first thing they do is they start robbing God. First thing they do. First thing they do, they start, they start robbing God, which you should never, ever, 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 ever do. Come on, say amen, somebody. Are you with me out there? My wife and I, come on. We had nothing coming in for close to a year when we first got here in St. Thomas. Nothing coming in. But we tied it the whole year on nothing. But we tied it as if we were getting something. Are you with me out here? What did God do? God gave us seed to sow. We had nothing coming in. God supernaturally had my wife work for my daughter, <laughs> take care of her grandma. Came out of nowhere. We used the money that she made to pay our tithes. Are right, you listening to me out here? We've always tied since I've been taught the tide I've always tied because once I was taught I grabbed a hold of it we tied when we had it we tied when we didn't have it come on are you with us down here and some of y'all can testify amen there's not too many people in this church they outgive me and my wife See, I can tithe because I did what he said. Because I did what he said, I could give the money. Come on, say amen, somebody. Stealing from God is not worth losing the blessing. Do y'all hear me out there? But yet, so many Christians do it. And they got to the point where they started justifying it. And I wonder why their house is jacked up. Family is jacked up. Because the family business is going down instead of up. This is all part of the family business, folks. Hallelujah. Next week we're going to find out. We're going to see where the first sin lies. What was the first sin that was committed in the first family business? All his bowed eyes closed in prayer. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All his battle eyes closed in prayer.